בוקר טוב.
um, for the the fact that he sends wagons, agalot, is going to remind him of the egla arufa. Three, what what is the significance of this? Where did the chachamim get this from? Let's say that they're trying to send that the chachamim here are trying to convey a deeper message. What in the world is that deeper message? Because the simple meaning of the midrash makes no sense. Correct. They're studying mishnayot. Okay, there are no mishnayot no, yet. This was much before. So, so the answer is very, very interesting. The answer is the eglarufa. What is the eglarufa meant to do? Is that that we have to care about each other? So, so more much. than that. So what happens with the eglarufa is you have. In the middle of no man's land between two cities, you have you find a dead person, and the the elders of the city that is closest must go and they must wash their hands on the calf or whatever that is that is being killed, right? So they wash their hands to do what? Why are they washing their hands? To clear themselves of culpability culpability yes. for the death of the person. Yes. So, the Eglarufa in the message, the meaning behind it, is it represents the fact that the elder of the city is not culpable for the death or the ill that has befallen the person that was in no man's land. So, if you look back at what happened to Yosef, Yaakov had sent him to Shechem to see his brothers, and Yaakov basically sent him to no man's land. Yes. And he did not go with him, and he was all alone. And then his brothers almost killed him, or something ill befell him. So what does that kind of represent? It kind of represents, in a way, you could almost say that Yaakov is culpable for all the bad that happened to Yosef. So now what is Yosef telling Yaakov when he sends him in a, 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 a wagon? What is the meaning of sending him or sending a coded message about the Egla Arufa? That the same way the Chachamim or the Zikanim of the city clean themselves of culpability, I'm also pointing out to you, my father, you're not, you're not culpable. You're not responsible for any of this. this you're not, you don't have any culpability here. And that's the message that Yosef is sending. And then the second Yaakov sees that, he realizes, ah, this is Yosef. Okay? So, so uh, it's a very deep Midrash. You know, these Midrashim. And it also, by the way, it fits in with the theory. It's the whole... The whole uh... it, it fits in with the theory that we had, that, not we had, but that, that the famous theory that Yosef doesn't even know if his father was in on it. So let's say he thinks that his father may be in on it. So what is the Midrash telling us? That Yosef is sending a message to his father that, no, I don't believe you're in on it. I believe you're fully, you're fully absolved. The same way the Zikanim prove the fact that they were completely innocent with the death of a person in no man's land. So that would be the, the message of the Midrash there. It's very, very, uh, very interesting Midrashim. Okay. So uh, there was, a, in a way, we, we believe that there was a code going between father and son. Right, well, but what, what, I'm really, what I really think is the way to understand it is that the, the Chachamim or maybe... Did Yosef 
actually think of the Igla Arufa when he no. sent these wagons? No, it was uh, the Pharaoh who told him take my wagons and send them. I, I don't think that exactly. If you look, if you go, go back in history and, and yes. ask Yosef, I don't think that's what's on his mind. Yes. So what we're really trying to do is to understand why the Chachamim are saying something so random. And what they're, what they're showing is that there is one, there's a layer here of potentially that Yosef may have found Yaakov to be culpable. But, but what the Chachamim are saying in their hidden way is that no, Yosef was saying, no, father, you're not culpable at all. Okay. Israel and everything that he had, they came to Be'er Sheva. And they bring offerings to the God of his father Yitzchak. What's going on in this pasuk? Why is Yaakov just heard that Yosef is alive and he's going to go down to Egypt to see him? And now all of a sudden he, he takes a stop in Be'er Sheva to bring offerings to because the God of his father he's Yitzchak? Living, because he's leaving Israel. So there are two elements to this. First of all, it could be this could be a sign of gratitude. Yes, for sure. He's, he wants to stop and thank yes. God yes. for yes. finding a son. Yeah. But I, I think I think I I do think the deeper meaning here is Yitzchak was the forefather who never left never. Israel. Exactly. So what's on Yaakov's mind is I went to Lavan's house already. That was risky enough. I was lucky to come back to Israel and I thought I thought that now that I'm in Israel, I'm, I'm set. I'm settled here. I'm going to go spend the rest of my life or, or the end of my life or the next few years in Egypt. What's going to happen to my clan? Yeah. What happened to the Beracha of Eretz Canaan? Yes. What's going to happen to my children? So, he's, so, so he could be... Um, and, and why does he send this, do this Korban uh, to Yitzchak, to the God of Yitzchak? Because Yitzchak is the one that represents commitment to the land of Israel and always saying in the land of Israel. So Yaakov has this question of if our family, as represented by Yitzchak, is to be in the land of Canaan, so what's going on? So Yaakov is probably very confused. Okay? But then, Pasukbet, Vayomer Elohim li Israel bimarot alayla. Vayomer Yaakov, Yaakov, Vayomer Hineni. God says to Israel in the dream of a night, he says, Yaakov, and he says, I'm here. Vayomer. I am the God, God of your father. Do not fear going down to Egypt. Because I'm going to make you a great nation there. One more thing about this. He's telling Yaakov, don't fear going down to Egypt. I'm going to turn you into a great nation there. Which means that God is telling Yaakov, you're going to be there for a long time. Because Yaakov could just be going to see Yosef and come back. And come right back. Correct. And then he goes and he brings a korban to Hashem, scared about that. And Hashem that, is, uh, is confirming. You're and going Hashem for is confirming. Uh, by you're the way, going, you're going for a long it's time. not only going to be, <laughs> and it's not just going to be a so be prepared. there and come back. Be prepared. It's going to be a lot longer than that. So that's what God is telling him here. So, I'm going to come down with you to Egypt. And I'm also going to bring you up. Yosef. And Yosef will put his hands on your eyes. So what, is it, what does it mean? And Yosef will put his hand gonna, on your yeah, eyes. You're going to die there and he's going right. to be so, the one. So the first interpretation, the one that I like more, is that when, when 
what you do when a person passes away is someone closes their eyes. Okay? So that's what it means. Yosef will put his hands over your eyes, meaning he will be the one to bury you. The other interpretation is Yosef Yashit Yadu is he will support you while you're there. Okay? But um, that is beautiful that Hashem tells him, I'm going to come down with you too. Yeah, I'm going to come down. And I'm going to bring you up. Right, right. There's, um, it, it's, it's, so what, uh, something about Be'er Sheva, that he goes and he does a sacrifice in Be'er Sheva. Do you know where we've seen Be'er Sheva before? Uh, I mean, there are plenty of places with Yitzchak and the, and Abimelech, with Abraham and Abimelech. But, but, but in Yaakov's life, he, when he wanted to go to Lavan's house, he stopped. Vayetzei Yaakov, Vayetzei Yaakov in Be'er Sheva, Vayelech Harana. Yaakov's journey to Haran, was through Be'er Sheva. Was through Be'er Sheva. So a lot of the commentators say that he's again he's feeling the same anxiety that he felt going, was going to go to Lavan when he, when he exactly yes, when he went to Lavan now he's feeling that same anxiety so he's going back to the same place to make to reassure himself to, to see because maybe he said, God this, is, this is where God is this is where right, God's presence right. is I mean no the Be'er Sheva so you have to make two things Be'er Sheva is where he left from. Oh, so but looking. but his his experience yeah, yeah, with God right. was in Bet El, yes, yes, okay. Correct. But it's interesting that he's going to the place that he left from, kind of to retrace his steps. Like, wait, am I doing this again? I'm going back outside of Israel again, okay. But this poor Yaakov, he was constantly on a travel basis. Yeah, wow. Travel too much. By Yaakov, Yaakov, by Rashaba, by Isu, Venei Sa'elet Yaakov Avihem, Vet Tapam, Vet Neshem, by Agalot Asher Shalach Parol Asetoto. And Yaakov goes off from Be'er Sheva, and the sons of Israel carry Yaakov, their father, and all of their kids and their wives on the wagons that were sent, that Paro had sent to carry them. They took their cattle and their possessions that they had in the land of Canaan, and they came to Egypt. Yaakov and all of his descendants. His sons and the sons of his sons with him. His daughters and the daughters of his sons. And all of his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Obviously this is a very grand pasuk describing yes. the movement of the whole clan to Never Egypt. Seen. To say that this is the beginning of a, another process. What, what, I'm, what I'm starting to realize is how seamlessly... The Torah is going to move from the story of Yaakov into the story of the Shemot and the and wow. the slavery in Egypt. Very, very interesting. One, two, three. It's actually it's one, two, three because once we finish this, then it starts the. Yeah, exactly. We're in two two parashiot away, but it's a very seamless uh, movement into Egypt. So one more thing I wanted to point out: when Paro told Yosef uh, to bring his parent to to bring his father, what did Paro say? Here, uh, let's see. Carol was very interested about the children. Look at Pasuk Kaf. Look at Pasuk Kaf. <laughs> and your eyes, do not look at all of your vessels. Because I'm going to give you the best of all of Egypt. Yes. So it seems like a very nice thing he's saying, right? Yes, yes, yes. But what is essentially he's saying? He's saying you have pots. Leave you have clothing. Leave everything, leave everything in Canaan. Just come, just bring... Come, Bring, bring bring your father and your and that's your it. Bring your families. Everything you have will become will will have will yeah, be Egyptian. Now, what does the pasuk say in pasuk six? 
they took their cattle. Yes. Their wealth, they and all of their possessions, yes. possessions slash wealth, that they had taken in the land of Canaan, and they came to Egypt. So did they leave everything in Canaan? Nothing. They brought everything. Yes. So maybe you could say that this is a hint that one of the, the concerns or one of the tensions we're going to have is you know, Paro is trying to bring them close. And they don't want and they're yeah, trying to kind of keep, keep, their, keep, distance. keep their distance. And yes. they, it's going to get a little bit awkward. They don't, have, they don't want to feel indebted also. They don't want to feel indebted, in, indebted to, um, to Pharaoh. I don't though, know. Even though they will because of the land that they're going to No, with. I don't know if that's their concern. I think their main concern is we, we don't want to start wearing Egyptian clothes and eating Egyptian food and using Egyptian pots and... and Do assimilation. And assimilate, right. That, that may be a thing. Okay, the next segment... Um, the, the clock can't be right. It's now 10 to 8. Oh, it is right. We have time. Yeah. Okay, the next segment is... Because we just described that Yaakov is going down to Egypt, now we're going to describe okay. all of the family members yes. who came, okay? I'm going to... We, we don't have to go through it. There's yes. one thing I want to point out, okay? Look at... I'll translate it in English until I get to the point yes. that I, I think is, is something that's interesting. Um, these are the sons of Yaakov, of, of Israel, that came to Egypt. The firstborn was Reuven. Right, yes. Sons of Reuven are Hanoch, Paluch, Etzron, and Karmi. The sons of Shimon are Yimuel, Yamin, Ohad, Yachin, Sochar, Shaul, Ben, Hakena'anit. Yeah. Why? Okay, so here is the very interesting discussion that is on this. We, we see in this verse... It says, the sons of Shimon are Yemuel, Yamin, and Ohad, and Yachin, and Sochar. And then he also had a boy named Shaul, who was the son of the Canaanite. Now, why is this verse very important? Why is it very important that it's telling us that Shimon had a son from a Canaanite woman? So the significance of the verse is because if it is telling us that he had one son from a Canaanite and it feels the need to point out yeah. that one of his sons are from a Canaanite what does that mean about his other wife or the wives of the other brothers that they are not that none of them are Canaanites yes, none of them and, and then they are not allowed to have a Canaanite wife right and then what does it tell us about Yehuda when he married a Canaanite woman to start his story he never really oh. his kids never really amounted to anything from that Canaanite yes, woman two yes. of them died and one of them we don't really know but what does that tell us about the Canaanite woman that he married? That that was also not necessarily a good thing. A lot of the commentaries back in the story of Yehuda prove that Yehuda was doing something inappropriate that's deviating from the standards of his family Correct. from this pasuk. From the pasuk that tells us Shaul ben Akanani, that, that Shimon had one son who was from a Canaanite woman. Is the wrong, is the, the because the fact that it's even pointing that out to us tells us that there were no Canaanite women in this family. They got they got wives from other cities from other uh, countries, but not not so Canaan. Do you think that because of this, Simon Shimon didn't get the blessing from? I mean, it's only one of his sons. Yeah. The reason Shimon doesn't get the blessing yeah, is because of okay. because of the sin with yes. uh, with uh, with Levi. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because all of the all of the. If you want to take a very long approach to all of this stuff, all of the brachot that are given to these tribes. They came true when they settled the land of Israel. Yes. Hundreds of years later. Yes. 
So Shimon it was just, didn't have a portion of land. They were just part of the tribe of Yehuda. I think Yaakov told them what's going to be and told them what's bad about you. Be careful because you have to fix yourself. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing that that it is the story of Shimon's destroying the city of Shechem ends up manifesting itself even in the fact that Shimon didn't get a portion of land or not no bracha. Um, and on top of that... An action that you do, and if you don't... Re, re, you, you and, don't and Levi may have been... Also part of it, but he, he they, they, Le- they learned from their, their right, mistakes. Right, so Levi was also part of that and potentially could have lost everything, but what did they do to redeem themselves? When, when so they used their aggression to help Moshe Rabbeinu yes. in the in the defend the names God, defend the name of God with the with the golden calf. Yes. So, so it's amazing that all of the things that are occurring now they have ripple effects and they have echoes all that the way means, down even into even into Jewish history. Every action you do, every action, it doesn't go unforgotten. Yeah. Oh my God. You may do one action oh that'll it'll, it'll 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 affect your tribe. Oh, yo, 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 uh, yeah, the theological implications are, are more difficult, but that's just wow. it's just interesting. Okay, so that was a, a little bit of an interesting thing on Shaul ben Akana'anit and what the implications are for the fact that the text is telling us that only one of the tribes married Explicit, explicitly. a a woman for one of the one of his kids. Okay. Uh, anything else that's interesting? Oh, one more thing that is interesting is we, we you want to assume that there are girls that are being born in these families also, yes. and the psukim just aren't telling us. Yes. A because the Torah tells us that there are daughters. Whenever it says come down to Egypt, it says you, your sons, your daughters. He, his sons, his daughters went down to Egypt. So keep saying that Yaakov has girls in the family, but this whole list is just boys. Nothing. Don't talk about. It. So and then the only girl that it talks about is Dina. Yeah, exactly. And we assume that the reason it's telling us about Dina is... Because of what happened. Because of what happened to Dina. So she has a reason to be talked about. But then there's one girl that's just confusing. In Pasuk 17. The sons of Asher were Yimna, Yishva, Yishvi, Uvriya, and Serach, their sister. Yes. So what's, what's the signal? Why? We know about Dina because... Because of what happened to her. Because of what happened to her. So, but why do we have to know about Serach? I thought we're not talking about the women. Yes. Why is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's I, very interesting. There's a midrash that says I don't know. I have to find the midrash, but there's a midrash that says that she had a skill, like a musical skill, yeah, and, and she was the one, the one who one conveyed to Yaakov that Yosef yes, was still alive. She, she lived a very long. They even life. have a kindergarten song based on her, and, and she lived a very long life because of that. Uh, I don't know about the the rest of her life, is, but there's a midrash that says, and probably that midrash, wherever it is, I I, I looked at it. It's not in Rashi, so wherever that midrash is, why is it telling us the significance of Serach? Because we were wondering what what in the world is Serach doing, being added to the list of boys? Because what she did, she she. Played. So she must have done something, she and the midrash the, one, the midrash is was, filling in the blank. She was the for one what she who did. told who told the Yaakov slowly story that her son Joseph. Right, was but the, even that doesn't seem to be the peshat because the boys went and they said to their father, Yosef is is still alive. Yes, you're right. That's true. So so it's still a midrash. It's a midrash, but but now we know what the midrash is doing. The midrash is trying to answer our question, which is. Why in the world do we know about Serach? Yes, it's yes. not like she's the only because daughter. Her name, here. Because her name is here. Yeah, yeah. And then there is also. Or it could be that they were really, really just they, they didn't have a lot of girls. So it's really would, just Dina and Serach. So how would would they get married? I mean, all of these. 
Oh, oh, oh. Just because they didn't marry Canaanite women doesn't mean they, they weren't marrying have, yes, I understand, but from other cities, from other countries. But it's impossible that they only have boys. They should have had some girls also. I mean, there's Yochebed. Yochebed, they said that she was born while they were entering, yeah. the, entering Egypt. Yeah. That, that's to solve another issue, which is that the, the Pasuk tells us there are 70. Yes. So and then we only count 69. 69 so yes, where, where's, yes. the, where's the last one? They say, oh, Yochebed was, was born later. was Hashem, and then they, they said it's many yeah. different. Wow, you know, yeah, you know all the Perushim. Some say it's Hashem. Some say it's referring to uh, Yaakov himself. Some yes. say it's referring yes. to Yochebed. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's finish here. Pasuk 26. All of the souls that came to Yaakov Mitzrayimah, the the uh, the descendants of his besides for the wives of the sons of Yaakov, all of them were were sixty six, and then Yosef had uh, two boys in Egypt. Yes. So then that comes up to sixty nine. Sixty nine, because Yosef and his two boys, yes. and then they're at sixty nine. So all of the family that Yaakov has is about seventy or seventy, including Yocheved. Yeah, or then it says Yaakov. seventy. It says in ge- in it ge- says seventy. That's yes. the pu- that's the problem because it's a very easy calculation to do if we're at sixty six and we add three. Sixty nine. What is? Yeah, and then we're at sixty nine. <laughs> and the pasuk, that same pasuk tells us we're up to seventy. So it's just that's a little bit confusing. Um, let's see. So the next part. I think I could count this whole Shishi and Shvi as one segment, which we'll do on Sunday. Okay. Wow. Because, because... That's the most beautiful part, when, uh, when uh, Yaakov meets with mm. Pharaoh and meets with Yosef and all of this. Yeah, let's save that for Sunday. Because I want... Um, my class on Sunday is going to be focusing on... Really focusing on Shvi'i, which is a story of how Yosef amassed all of the wealth in, in Egypt. Egypt. There's a lot of wow, he's brilliant. Economic, he's economic. Yeah, I want I want to give you the economic perspective oh, oh, on that. Oh, 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 oh. It is very interesting to to study it from an economic perspective. Um, he, he practically gave all the wealth to uh, to to Pharaoh, everything. Yeah, and the way he does it. Now there's so with so much, by the way, kindness because the, the okay. The so that's what we're going to discuss. It's a brilliant story. He had, you know, he had a heart for them. I mean, at, at the end of the day... There is an interpretation that say that Yosef is purely benevolent and this is all just... He didn't let them become slaves didn't. of uh, Pharaoh. Okay. You know, I give I'm not as convinced that he's that concerned for... You know, for you, get, you, just give, you just give one-fifth one to Pharaoh and the let, rest let, you can keep... Let's study it on... on there, there are a lot of, like, deeper points to that story. We'll study it on Sunday in depth. Um, there are a lot of political implications, a lot of economic implications, there are a lot of analysis of Yosef. There's also, that story is also relevant for understanding how the children of Israel lived in comparison to the uh, Egyptians. Yes, yes, which is the most important thing. Yeah. How did they survive exactly. all this time living in Egypt and keep their... their yeah. uh, wow, well, that's very, very, very difficult. Okay. Baruch Adonai Amen. 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 Amen.